Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dream Hub podcast. Here we unlock the mysteries of the night and discover how these dreams influence our daily lives. I'm Melissa Johnson, your navigator through the nocturnal nuances that shape our waking world. Today I'm joined by Tivia Gova, a distinguished dreamwork professional and author of the revelatory book Dreaming on the Page, Tap into Your Midnight Mind to Supercharge Your Writing. Tivia's expertise bridges the realms of dreams and writing, offering transformative insights. She's also a respected member of the board of the International Association for the Study of Dreams and she's the founder of 350 Dreamers, a global dream initiative. Let's welcome Tivia and embark on a journey into the fertile landscapes of our dreaming minds. Oh, what a pleasure to be here with you to talk about my favorite things. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) In your book, you beautifully weave together dreaming and writing. I want to know what sparked your journey into exploring this unique relationship. Well, really, all my life, just about, I've loved writing and I've loved my dreams. So when I was about 20 years old, I wrote something in my journal that I didn't remember until I found that old notebook literally decades later. And it said, I'm a dreamer, a writer without words. I'm a writer, a woman who wants to share her dreams. So I realize now looking back that even at 20 years old, I was very clear about how dreams and writing were central to my life. Um, But of course, like so many things we know when we're young, I had to forget it and remember it and deny it and claim it over and over again. Wow. A writer without words. That's so beautiful. I love that. That's awesome. I know I've found little old like journals and stuff from when I was a kid and it's some of the things that there was profound. I was like, I knew all the answers all along and just forgot it somewhere along the way. Wow. What, like, what was that journey like? Like that, that sounds like a lot. Yeah. So basically I never strayed too terribly far away. I mean, the writing was interwoven in my life literally since I, the earliest I remember is at 10 years old presenting my parents with a red loose leaf with the word poems misspelled across the top, P-O-A-M-S. And, and inside were my loose leaf papers full of my poems and giving that to them. So I know that as early as 10, I thought of myself as a writer. Um, and ever since I was four, I was talking about my dreams. But those things kept getting pushed to the margins because, you know, you have to make a living and, you know, you have to deal with all the things that come at you in life. And in our cultures, it doesn't tend to be central. I mean, dreams are dismissed and diminished and there's some weird thing off to the side. And writing, you know, for a while I did have, I've had a few careers where writing was central, um, but poetry, which is my passion, you know, is another thing that is a culture we don't have a lot of value for. We don't, you know, honor it or revere it so much in the mainstream. So. I had to keep reminding myself that these are things of value, even when the culture around me tells me not so much. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that you see it that way. It really is like a creative art form in a way. And all art is beauty and should be cherished. And Mm. like, it's just beautiful. Yeah. So your book illuminates dreams as a wellspring of creativity. Can you share how writers can effectively harness this powerful source themselves? Absolutely. So, yeah, my book is called Dreaming on the Page and Dreaming on the Page is it kind of sums up, you know, the way I teach writing, even if I don't mention dreams, which is rare. (laughs) But even if I'm teaching freshman composition or something like that, um, the way that the dreaming mind works is so similar to how the creative mind, they're not separate. Let's put it that way. So every night when we go to sleep, 
we spin out narratives effortlessly, no effort. Our dreaming mind spins out narratives, story, metaphor, um, figurative language, all the things, emotion, imagery, all the things that a great writer wants. So what this tells me and what I tell writers is first and foremost, the way your dreams help you with your creativity is I hope to give you confidence so that you know that it is your birthright, whether you call yourself a writer or not, whether or not you remember your dreams, you are just a natural storyteller. Stories are telling themselves through you every night in your dreams. So just knowing that I hope empowers people to tell their stories out loud or on the page or in a song or on a canvas. You know, we are narrative making animals. We're storytellers, that's who we are. So that's the first and foremost thing. And then we can get into things like, yes, write down your dreams when you remember them and when you have the time, you know, and yes, you know, make poems and stories from them or let them inspire you in other ways. Mm. I've heard that our brains really love stories. And if you are trying to get like a message or information across to somebody in a way that you want them to absorb it well, then instead of just telling them the facts, you actually put it in as a story. How, like, how would I be able to say, take the information of dream analysis and interpretation as a like a subject in psychology and explain that in a way that it's a story that someone's mind is going to want to absorb and listen to. Yeah, well, I would start with telling a story about someone that you know or yourself of how dreams have changed you and how dreams have shaped you um, in your psychological journey, you know, how they've helped you through a relationship crisis that you might bring to a therapist. But the dream has the best wisdom, you know, even better than the, uh, than the best therapist. So um, to, to find your narrative, your experience, and put that down on the page. Mm. Thanks. You've got heaps of compelling techniques for tapping into what you call the midnight mind. Could you elaborate on any of the key methods that you suggest? Absolutely. I think one of the first things, you know, when we think about the midnight mind, already we have um, an instruction right there, midnight. So if you want to tap into your creativity, one thing to look at is when are you feeling the most creative, the least inhibited? And I'm not necessarily gonna say set your alarm for the middle of the night um, when your dreaming mind is in this very fertile, generative, creative space, but perhaps if you do some writing before you even get out of bed, you know, write down the dream, at least write down, if you don't remember dreams, often some interesting thoughts are going through your mind. So jot them down or, and um, this advice is sort of counter to a lot of the advice I give people who have sleep issues. But if you're a poet or a creative writer, you might want to stay up a little past your bedtime to do some writing so that's tap literally tapping into the biochemistry of that mind in a liminal state wow. right entering sleep and dreams or waking up from it this makes so much sense to me i only just wrote a poem i think two days ago and i don't like when i was a kid i would write poetry but i haven't tapped into it and then recently I've been trying to connect with my creative muse through dreams. And then uh, like two nights ago, and I thought it would be with art, like with painting and drawing, because I'm an artist. I'm not, a, well, I wouldn't consider myself a writer. And then I was, I stayed up way too late and I was a bit excited for whatever reason. And I was drinking some of my like dreamy sleep tea night nectar and I was tired and I pushed past the point of when I should go to bed and I usually go to bed at nine and it was like 11.30 and I drank the tea and then I just started writing and it just like flew out of me and was really deep and profound and I beautiful and I loved it and I was like whoa and I, it felt like almost like being channeled but it was pulling from my internal, it was beautiful. That's a beautiful story. 
See, right there, you just shy. did it. You oh, just thanks. did it. You just told a beautiful story. <laughs> yeah, so part of what was happening there, um, you had your dreamy tea, you were up. And, you know, when the mind is sort of slipping into that REM state, the sleepy state, um, your internal sensor is starting to go to bed and starting to go to sleep. So that part of your mind that's saying, oh, that's not good enough, or you're not really a writer, you know, that part of your mind starting to get drowsy so that the rest of you, your creative soul can work unfettered, can, can roam the page, can explore different, you know, the dream that so many people have of finding a room they didn't know was there in their house. That's sort of the mental or the consciousness equivalent, you know, when you find these these storehouses of creative um, narrative inside of yourself that just want to flow, which is how it sounded your experience was. Yeah, yeah, it did feel like that actually. Yeah. Oh, thanks. That's that's a beautiful way of explaining it, and it does make so much sense. It it did feel like that. It's like oh, there's this part of me that I didn't even know existed, and I thought I've never done that. And then it took me a while to think. Actually, I remember being a really little girl, and I would write cute poems about flowers and things like that and find them in old books and I thought oh maybe maybe it is in there so I was really excited to speak to you it, it was like very timely that our uh, our chat was coming up so oh I'm so glad that's so cool I'd love to hear of um a way that your dreams have helped you to bring across like a story or a poem or anything that you wanted to share Absolutely. So I've published seven books. I've written more than that, but they don't all get published. And every one of them was in some way uh, supported or inspired or enhanced by dreams. Sometimes it's as simple as I feel discouraged or I feel like giving up on a work and I'll have a dream that that shows me in some beautiful glowing light, you know, some aspect of writing that I remember that I really care about. So that's one way, that's sort of a big picture way that they're sort of um, in the background supporting me, reminding me who I am. I've had dreams when I've been drifting away from writing and I'll see someone sitting at a desk writing and literally look up at me and say, this is what you should be doing. So reminders to come back to myself. But in a real nuts and bolts way, sometimes, especially with poetry, my poem is little more than a transcription of my dream. I call it being secretary to your dream. You know, I just write the dream down, put in some line breaks, maybe eliminate some words here and there or choose a different word, light editing, and the poem is just there. It's from the dream. It was delivered. Wow. Can you read text in dreams? I did just last night. Now, don't ask me what it said, but in the morning I could have told you, yeah, I do. And the thing of it is dreams were around way before the written word was around. So I call dreams a literal. They, they're not that concerned with writing. And for most people, seeing print in their dreams, seeing any form of writing, being able to make it out, very rare. But if you're a writer, if that's what you do all day, um, you're going to be more likely to see writing in your dream. And likewise, if you're a musician, you're going to be more likely to hear a composition, a musical composition in your dreams, not as common for others. Mm. So yeah, I do. Um, and when I see clear writing in my dream, I take note because I know that my brain had to work hard for that because that's not the natural thing for the dreaming brain to do. So I pay attention. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, you're a myth buster there. I love it because, yeah, I often hear people saying that misconception about you can't read in dreams and, you know, it's impossible. And I have had a few experiences where, like, the words will flash up and just as they go up, all the lights go out or like I'll notice this whole page of text and I'm really excited to read it and I'll start reading it and then the words just start melting off the page like as if it got wet and I'm like, no. <laughs> I am definitely a myth 
Buster, when it comes to dreams, anytime I read in a book or I hear in a lecture, oh, you can't do this in a dream or you can't do that, I will go to bed that night and I will be like, tonight in my dream, I am going to, you know, one thing is you can't change the lighting in a room. You know, you can't affect the, yeah. the light. So I'll be like, tonight I'm going to affect the lighting in a room and I'll go to bed and I'll do that task in my dream and I'll come back and tell that scientist or whoever told me I can't. Yeah. Um, I did that last night. <laughs> What a good feeling. That's awesome. I've heard one recently that I want to try and it was that you dive into the ground. Like imagine you're outside and there's just grass and you dive in and go below the earth and go into the core of the earth and like be in the soil. And I was like, wow, that sounds cool. That will make an excellent poem or story too when you remember that story. So I can't wait to hear about it. How, in your view, do dreams inform and enrich our storytelling abilities, like both in written narratives and in our daily lives? Yeah, so once again, dreams are, they're, they're master storytellers, they're cinematographers. So I think that we are most likely informed all the time, consciously or not, by the fact that that there's this part of ourselves that wakes up at night. Um, And we can harness that to some degree by paying attention to our dreams. You know, it's almost like you get to take a master class in storytelling at night. Um, Notice the fine details in your dreams and practice remembering those. So when you write your dreams in your journal or your notebook, try to stay with the five senses. What did I see in the dream? What did I hear? Until you ask yourself the questions, you might not remember. You know, ask yourself, did I see a color? What color was it? And start to record those details. And the more you do it, the more you'll notice in the dream, the more you'll get in the habit of putting that into your writing. And it's a nice uh, practice session for you as a writer and storyteller um, to make your oral you know, speaking, storytelling more lively and more vibrant as well as on the page. Mm, Yeah, that's a great idea. And that would help with your interpretation as well because then there'd be more symbols popping up and things like that. Is it like it? it's important that when we're telling a dream or sharing a dream with people that we can tell it in a way that it's easy for others to understand? And I know that sometimes... If I have a dream and I've written the notes down and I don't give it enough love and attention to flesh it out, it just doesn't really make sense when I go back to it and just read the notes. Or if I tried to tell it to someone, it sort of seems pointless. Like, how can we use writing and yeah, writing as a way of making the dream easier to tell and more enjoyable for people to listen to? That's such a good question. Here I am waxing poetic about the the glory of dreams as narrative and and storyteller. But the truth of the matter is, if you want to kill a conversation, just say to somebody who's not a dreamer like yourself, um, oh, I had this dream last night, I want to tell you, they go running for the hills when you say that. Because there is this other aspect of dreams where they need an editor. Um, because they like to free associate, they like to go, go down every little rabbit hole and all around the block. So what we can do to answer your question is to give the dreams a little bit of shape, right? Look for the narrative thread in the in the dream. Uh, look for the, just as you would with writing a story, right? What's the most vibrant image? Well, let me focus in there, you know, the, the thing that was beautiful or strange and um, and try to find that narrative thread and give your telling of it a beginning, a middle, and an end. Um, and perhaps save all the details for your journal. And when you're telling a friend, you know, pick and choose the most important ones in that moment. That's a good point. Yeah, sometimes there can be random parts of the dream that is just our daily processing of things that have happened in our lives that will pop their way into the dream and it's not related at all and it can just confuse the dream a little bit. I think. Well, yeah, and also just to add, because I don't want to, I wouldn't want to lose those things. I work as a dream work professional with, where you know people come to me and tell me their dreams Um, And we work together to find the meaning and the messages. And sometimes it's in those random details 
that that the most juice uh, is contained. So there, you have to know why you're telling the dream. If you're telling it to a friend who's listening to you to help you mine the message and meaning from it, yeah, pour it all on. But if it's a casual conversation with your partner who's not as into dreams as you are or your kid or uh, a friend um, where you have other things to cover too, that's when you want to zoom in on the most important parts. That's a really, really good point. It does depend who you're telling it to. And it does, like, if sometimes the most random out of whack thing is what makes the whole dream make sense in the end. So, yeah, they're really good points. Thank you. So your own writing seems to be deeply influenced by your dreams. Could you give us an example of how a specific dream shaped one of your projects? Sure. I mean, in terms of poems, you know, I wrote a poem. I mean, I've been working on it for several weeks, but I I think I've got it pretty close to finish this week. Um, And that is really a dictation from a dream. So in that case, I was... um, you know, I had a problem, I had a question, I wasn't sure if this was a good direction, a specific direction was good for me to go in my studies and in my life. And so I asked my dream, and I just had the most beautiful dream in response. So I thought, wow, this dream was so beautiful. I know it's a dream of affirmation. I don't know beyond that. So I wrote a poem about it as a way of just spending time with the dream. Um, and as a way of celebrating it because it was so beautiful i wanted other people to see it too so that's one way um another share it the poem i wish i had it handy i would read it to you (laughs) i didn't think of that yeah what was the other thing that you were going oh so the other thing i want to say that's one way another way is that i had a dream this was years ago now many years ago but i've never forgotten it one of my favorite poets is stanley kunitz he's since deceased Um, And I had a dream where he came to me in a dream and gave me advice on how to write poetry. And he said every, and he's uh, an amazing poet. If you don't know Stanley Kunitz, look him up, uh, K-U-N-I-T-Z. But in the dream, he said, everything that you put in your poem, you must hold in your hand. And what I took from that dream was very good advice for poets which is if you can actually, you know, touch and feel something that you're writing about, do that, have that really close, intimate, tactile contact so that you can bring all the sensory detail to the page. In other words, don't just, don't only be with your imagination, you'll ground it in real things. Um, But, you know, we can't touch everything that we put in a dream, but to get that close to it, in your imagination, in your in your thinking about what sensory experience it would be to be up close and personal with that thing. Um, and I really think that getting that kind of grounding in detail um, enriches what you write and enriches your dream work too. You know, what it makes me think of is like how there's lucid dreaming and lucid living. It's like as above, so below that it's just a whole nother way of, yeah, wow. I love the the insights that come from dreams and the different perspectives and outlooks on everything in life and creativity and consciousness and reality and ooh, there's so much. <laughs> Throughout your exploration of dreams and creativity, what has been the most surprising insight through the creative process that you've had? That's a fun question because really, I mean, that's what dreams do, isn't it? They surprise us all the time it would be really hard for me to come up with one most surprising insight, but (laughs) Um, well, one thing is just how prevalent dreams are in literature. I mean, that's been a surprising insight. If If you have a bookshelf full of poetry, as I do, books of poetry, you know, pull anyone off the shelf that's a collected, you know, the collected works of or the selected works of a poet and just open it to the table of contents. And there will most likely be a poem called Dream or My Dream About. Um, Once you start tuning into it, they are so prevalent everywhere in literature um, from Shakespeare to, you know, a contemporary poet. 
they're everywhere. I agree with you. And it it's also reminding me of a few places that I've been seeing them pop up. And in children's cartoons, they're mm. often like talking about being in dreams or showing scenes of being in dreams, but also in music and even modern day music. Like, yes, like music from the past. I know a lot of them have been drawn from dreams and things like that. But even these days, people are singing in techno songs about lucid dreams and stuff like that. And I'm like, I love it's it's confusing me because it feels like everybody's doing dream work and everybody loves dreams. But then there's only a handful of dream therapists in Australia that I can even find. And it's like quite rare. So it's it is confusing me. It's giving me hope that dreaming is going to be like reignited into modern day society how do you feel about that what do you think's going on there i think you've um, really put your finger on something which is we have this strange dichotomy in our i'll just call them modern cultures i know i'm talking about a lot of different things at once but um where on the one hand we dismiss them we deny them but they won't stop from popping up everywhere um we can't keep them down I do think that something is shifting. I think that we've explored all different frontiers as humans, and we've looked for happiness outside of ourselves. We've looked at fulfillment from consuming things. And I think people are, I think two things, people are starting to get wise and notice that it's an inside job and dreams are inside gurus. We don't have to keep looking out for teachers and keep looking out for something to fill what I call the God hole, the spiritual center of ourselves. Um, at the same time, I also think that we are in a crisis point uh, uh, planet wide. We are in a crisis point between violence and climate uh, catastrophe and um, all the rest of it. You know, we've gone in some really wrong directions as a species. And I think that the dreams are waking people up from inside. So people who didn't used to dream are starting to talk about them, get curious about them. I think the dreams um, are our hope. Uh, so many innovations and new ways of thinking have come through dreams. So I think the dreams are shaking us awake from the inside out. So that's gonna spur um, a new consciousness of them as well. Mm. I'm excited. I know that dreams kind of shook me awake and it changed my whole life for the better. So I'm I'm really excited for everyone who hopefully will be going through this sort of internal awakening as well. They're just so amazing. I love them. What do you like? Do you lucid dream or do you just love to, are you more of an observer? All of the above. I lucid dream quite frequently. Um, and I assume your listeners know what that is, but it's when you are dreaming and you know that you're dreaming. So it's a really heightened state of awareness. And as you mentioned earlier, the most beautiful part about lucid dreaming is it teaches you how to be awake when you're awake. So after I've had a lucid dream where I know I'm dreaming inside the dream, I get this feeling of excitement Every, everything feels so alive, the colors get brighter. And then during the day, I can access that feeling of waking up during the day. I can remember to wake up and see the amazing vibrancy of the world around me. Um, and then sometimes I have dreams where I'm an observer. And I think that all of this spectrum of dreaming from the sort of everyday dreams to the big dreams, the lucid dreams is available to everybody. And the more we talk about it, the better, because I think a lot of people think dreaming is just about like, oh, I dreamt that I was getting on a plane and I forgot my passport or I, I, I dreamt that my teeth were falling out and they have a very limited scope of what they think is possible. And when they hear us talk about it, it just opens up the possibility for them that you can have dreams of bliss and oneness and uh, and and just fun dreams, sexy dreams, all kinds of dreams. Definitely. I, I really am trying to spread the word to people that you're not just gifted as a dreamer because I think some people believe that, 
oh, you have those dreams, but I don't. I only get one or two a month and they're just annoying. Or some people think, oh, well, I only get nightmares. And they kind of have labeled themselves with that and believe that and just because that's all that they've ever experienced. And I just like to bring awareness to people to know that it's not always like that and that it is a... a relationship or like when you work on it it works with you so the more you are journaling and paying attention to your dreams and setting intentions and like trying to understand the meaning and everything the more vivid they'll get the longer they'll get the more of a full storyline they'll become because as you know sometimes people will only get fragments and it's the storyline doesn't make sense but then other people will have the whole night of narratives and it's this whole big journey and um it's just we all have the ability to have it all it's not just you know you get dealt what you get dealt it's not like that at all it's the more we work with it the better we we get to experience you know i love that and i just want to put in a few bookmarks there a few little placeholders for people to come back to first of all i think it's really important for people to remember like If you don't remember your dreams, don't feel like you're missing out. You are, but you can access these similar states um, in other ways, making art. You can, so I have several books about sleep and dreams for adults and one for children. And in all of them, I try to stress this point that you can practice all of these skills of dreaming. You can practice dream recall, You can practice increasing your lucidity in dreams or getting all the way lucid. Um, And that these are things that we can teach ourselves and practice and they're natural and easy. But also there are other ways to get in. So in my book, Dreaming on the Page, I offer people ways to use the exercises even if you don't remember your dreams. You could use a deck of tarot cards or a assemblage of um, pictures cut out of um, museum catalogs or or magazines um, and put the pictures together randomly so that you create a dream for yourself or you can do it through guided visualization. So nobody needs to be left out of accessing these states of consciousness that are available to all of us And I love dreams because we don't need any medication to get there. We don't need any illegal substances or expensive substances or dangerous substances. Um, Our brains are capable of this and we can bring it on awake even without substances. So I like to stress that it's safe, it's free, it's fun and it's legal. (laughs) Definitely, that's really good points there. So, If I am just getting into dream work and I come to you for help, like what would you, how would you guide me with dream journaling and and what I should be doing? Yeah, so I think the standard advice is very good advice, which is to put paper and pen by your bedside. A notebook is best because that way you just don't have scraps everywhere. And before bed, Write down your intention to remember your dreams. Literally write that down. Tonight I will remember my dreams. Go to sleep. Hold that intention lightly. If you hold on to it too hard, you might keep yourself awake. But just gently remind yourself, I plan to remember my dreams. I will remember my dreams. And then the piece of the equation that gets left out a lot is in the morning. Even if you think you didn't remember a dream, still pick up the notebook and write something down. So start with the sentence, I dreamed, and see if something comes to you. Maybe you'll remember a dream, maybe you won't. But even if you don't, write something. Oh, I don't know exactly what I dreamed, but I slept well, or I slept lightly. Write something, because as you mentioned earlier, Melissa, you're creating a relationship. So you've asked your dreams for something, show your dreams you're listening and that sort of completes the loop of um of the conversation and try that if it doesn't work the first night try it for a week or two and if that still doesn't work then call me or call melissa and we'll take you to the next step (laughs) that's great 
Sometimes when I remember my dreams, I'm remembering them backwards and then it's confusing on how to put the storyline together. How does that happen? <laughs> well, it makes sense, doesn't it? Because you're you're probably remembering the most recent dream and that's reminding you of the one before. In fact, that's one of my dream recall techniques is I just start wherever I start. Like it might just be a vivid image from an early morning dream. And then I'll say, and what was before that? And what was before that? And I, I sort of pull myself back. So it makes for a very sloppy journal entry because I'm always making arrows. Oh yeah, that came before that. But that's okay. That's okay. You know, um, later on, if you want, you can shape it. You know, you can tell the story in the right order or you just have, you know, a pile of dreams and you read them from the bottom up. It's okay. <laughs> That would be cute. Yeah, have a little note. Start here. <laughs> I literally do. I have like diagrams in my dream journals. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I do mine electronically. I just use a notepad in my phone. And but yeah, it's like that. I'll remember one. I'll say I remember three three separate dreams and then when I look at it backwards, I'm like, "Oh, actually, they came the opposite way." And I'll rejig everything in there. But I think that can sometimes be a blockage that I have, or I, I don't know if other people have this, but it's like um, when I have the dream and then I'm trying to remember it, I start trying to remember it and then trying to remember the order before I start writing it down and then I end up losing it all. Yeah. And it's sort of like this self-judgment of like, it's got to make sense before I write it down. And then if it does, I don't know, but it just ends up being a blockage and I just don't write it down. So. I'm getting the confidence just to write anything, whatever comes, it doesn't even matter. And there was a period of my life where I would wake up at 3 a.m. all the time and write the dream and forget it and then come back and find it in the morning. And even though it was jumbled up, I could still kind of change it around and it would just give me a memory of something that I otherwise would have lost. Do you find that people have self-doubts when it comes to writing or fears or things because it's like something that they haven't done before like well there's a whole spectrum yeah there are a lot you know you mentioned the word blockages there are a lot of things that block people one is they don't want it to be sloppy and the process we're describing is messy and so at a certain point we have to embrace embrace the chaos you know enjoy the mess um, you know, people worry, I worry about things like handwriting. Sometimes I'm just so appalled at my handwriting. It just, you know, it's a turnoff to me, even though who cares? Who's going to see this except me? Um, and I think that one of the things that blocks people too is when it's a new activity, it's something different. And I think that it takes time. And that I think is the um, concern I hear the most often, you know, is the more I write them, the more I remember. And next thing you know, it's I'm late for work and then I'm missing work. So I advise people to, if you have to set a timer and just put down as much as you can in five minutes and then just leave it. Just trust that if there's a part of the dream you need to remember, it'll come back in another form on another night. So, you know, relax with it, make it fun. It's not a contest of how many words you can get on the page or how many dreams you can remember. Just enjoy the ones that you do remember and go for quality instead of quantity. Mm, that's really good advice. Thank you. I think that kids and dreams would be a great topic. I've got a four-year-old who dreams, so I could ask you. Let me show you this book. It's precious. Um, and it'd be, oh, four years old is when I started talking about my dreams. This book is um, How to Sleep Tight Through the Night. So what happened was I had an, I have another book called The Mindful Way to a Good Night's Sleep, which is for adults um, about sleep and dreams and obviously taking a mindful approach, not a medicine approach, not a um, anything else approach. And some an editor came to me and said, I wish I had had a book like that, but for my kids. Mm -hmm. And so she uh, asked me if I would write this book, which I did with my friend and colleague, Leslie and Newman. And this book is, it's a nonfiction book. You know, it's a book on um, how to remember your dreams, how to make bedtime cozy, 
and it's for children. So it's just full of pictures and activities for kids to make, you know, fun pillow covers and, you know, counting games to fall asleep and, you know, how, what to do when you have dreams about monsters or, you know, making a little reading tent in your bed. I mean, it's just a sweet book um, packed full of ways to get kids talking about sleep and dreams, getting them to look forward to bedtime instead of rebelling against bedtime. So, and it stresses the point we made earlier for kids that just like tying your shoes, you practice and then you learn how you can do that with dreaming. Mm. We need this book. Every child needs this book. I've been doing a little bit of dream work with my daughter now that she's starting to remember more dreams. And like her dream life has come forward in leaps and bounds because she would only remember nightmares like, oh, there's a monster under the bed and all those sorts of things. And then now she's having really fun and detailed and vivid dreams and ones where like there's no gravity or she's under the water and she's a fish, but she can breathe and all these really, really cool, creative, like immersive dreams. It's awesome. And I know that like as a mom, I have a lot of mom friends and a lot of little kids struggle with dreams. You mentioned in that book, you give advice on what to do when they're dreaming of monsters. What, what should we tell our kids when they're going through that? Yeah, so the most important thing is to acknowledge that, and you know this as a mom for the child, and you might remember from your own childhood, um, as a child, it's it's real. It's real for us as adults, too. It's almost like a, a small trauma. So we need to give them ways to befriend the monster, to manage their fears. So it can be anything from having them draw a picture of the dream um, and to maybe do a storytelling game with a loving adult or parent of, you know, what if you could go back in the dream and you could see the monster again, first of all, what would you need to be safe? And then they might, you know, make an invisibility cloak or they might make um, a, a cage around themselves where they can see and everything or put it better yet around the monster. Um, so then they can talk to the monster and be safe and learn what did the monster want, you know, and the monster's probably really not so mean. Maybe the monster's a little scared too. So they can start to learn to be empowered when they face the scary dreams. Mm. That's great advice. Yeah, my daughter, we made up a plan that it was just the cookie monster and it wanted cookies. And for a while she had a magic wand and she would like put the magic wand next to the bed because she knew if a monster came, she would say abracadabra turn into a cat and it would shrink down. And she loved that one. That happened a few times and it, and it worked so well. And it just, I know that it worked for me. It's like she kids can become lucid so easily and I know how good I felt when I first became lucid in a dream and was able to turn to my nightmare and I woke up feeling ecstatic. Do you think that they will or like I would just love to see this kind of stuff taught in schools? Me too. Do you know Me why too. they don't have it in every school? <laughs> I know it really should. Bill, the teachers need to understand first so they can talk to kids about it. People have this general fear of dreams and Unfortunately, um, you know, Freud and Jung did a lot to popularize dreams, but unfortunately the message a lot of people got was that you need a therapist or a specialist to understand them. Mm -hmm. And we need to do all we can. And as a parent, you have such a special role to give the dreams back to the dreamers and to remind them you don't need an expert. No, you don't. You know, you can do this, you know, just by talking about the dream listening to each other and just think of all the skills that as we're talking you know when you were talking about how you your youngster uh, deals with the dreams with her magic wand and this and that we're learning flexible thinking we're look, learning creative problem solving we're learning um how to talk to each other about scary things about emotions and there's so many lessons so, yes, I think we need to get dreams into the schools and start talking about dreams at the breakfast table and 
you know, driving to and from. Mm. Yeah, I've loved having dreams to talk about with my family. It just brings us closer and we can see what each other are thinking about or worried about or wanting to do on the weekend. And it's like, oh, we dreamt of the beach. Maybe we'll go there on the weekend. And it brings us so much closer. So, yeah, that's so cool that you have a a book for kids. What other books do you have that you could tell us about? You've got a lot of them. I'd love to hear. (laughs) I'll, I'll I'll leave it to the three books on sleep and dreams that I have at the moment. So the kids' book is How to Sleep Tight Through the Night by Nate Sevilla Gover and Leslie and Newman. Uh, the book about dreams and writing, these are the two newest ones. This one is Dreaming on the Page, and it's full of writing prompts and tips and inspiring quotes. It's a beautiful book, and it's got these great French flaps so you can maybe tuck your dream reports in there. <laughs> and then I have a book, it's not in arm's reach, but it's called The Mindful Way to a Good Night's Sleep. And that's a good general book if you need help getting into good bedtime habits and getting into the basics of dream recall and keeping a notebook and all the rest. So I think if you had those three, you'd have a really nice library. <laughs> yeah, they sound great. Um, I'm going to have links to your website in the show notes. Um, could you just let the listeners know where they can find you, just if they're driving sure. and want to remember? <laughs> yes. My website is Third House Moon, and you spell it out T H I R D, that's spelled the number Third House Moon. Dot com and the name that's the name of my business and of course that name came to me in a dream <laughs> of course you, it did would you like to share the story of that dream oh i'd be happy to so this was quite some time ago when i was first starting to set out to start a business of my own and i had i did not have a name for it yet and i had a dream where a woman was handing me a flyer and i said what's that? And I looked at the flyer in the dream and it said third house moon. And the woman said to me, that's your business. It's going to be very successful. And uh, so I woke up, I don't know much about astrology and I knew even less than, but I thought third house moon, what on earth? You know, I, I saw it written in print and I remembered it when I woke up and I typed it into my search bar in Google and I discovered that there is an astrology astrology uh when your moon is in your third house so i have an astrologer friend and i asked is my moon in my third house and she looked at my chart no 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 and then we decided it was actually not my astrology it was my business's astrology because the definition was when your moon is in your third house it's about communication intuition um and all of the sort of qualities that i wanted in a business you know, about helping people make connections and and all the different qualities. So I thought, well, that's it. That's perfect. Wow. I love it. It's interesting. I love hearing people's dreams because you can, they, they usually link and show like what their brains are like and your dreams are very literal. (laughs) They're just like, this is your business. This is what it's going to be. And I love that. It wasn't like something that you had to discover through a symbol. It was like in writing, (laughs) Perfect. I love it. That's so cool. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for sharing that dream. That's awesome. Oh, thank you for asking. It's a fun story. (laughs) Um, Looking forward, what new projects or areas of exploration in the realm of dreams and writings are exciting you the most? Oh, my goodness. So many. Um, I'll be teaching in the Bahamas this spring at Shivananda Ashram in the Bahamas, and I'll be teaching about dreaming toward bliss. So exploring dreams and joy. I think joy, one of my books is also called Joy in Every Moment, and I believe in joy as a spiritual path. And I say that as somebody who struggles with depression and um, anxiety. Um, So I'm not just uh, sugarcoating it. I know that for some of us, Making joy a spiritual path takes some uh, focus and effort, but it's very doable. And so dreams and joy, again, to get past those um, stereotypes about dreams just being negative. And then the other thing is that I have a deck of dream cards. It's called the little deck of uh, <laughs> little deck of dreams or something, and it's coming out in April. 
and it's a oracle card deck and each card has beautiful artwork on one side and on the other side it has um some thoughts and prompts for different dream scenarios so if you dream of being chased if you dream of a plant if you dream of music so that's a lot of fun i'm really excited about that coming out in april from smith street books uh in australia ah yay i'll be keeping an eye out i'll go get some i'll go get some (laughs) definitely that's so exciting i love that idea Oh, you're doing so much. I love seeing how like creative people are so busy and can bring out so much and so much stuff of value as well. You've got such a vast range of amazing, enriching products that people can use. And ah, I'm so happy to have met you. Thank you so much for coming on the Dream Hub podcast. It's been so nice talking to you. Oh, it's been a pleasure. I love that you are getting the good word out about dreams. Good job. (laughs) Thank you. And I look forward to meeting you this year in person in the Netherlands at the International Association for the Study of Dreams conference. Maybe we will do an episode two in person while we're over there. (laughs) Oh, that would be fun. I would love that. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much. As our conversation today with Tivia Grover comes to a close, I'm reminded of the profound depth and potential that resides in our dreams and how they can invigorate our creative expressions. So if you haven't tried journaling, free writing, turning one of your dreams into a story, I highly recommend it. You might meet a part of yourself that you never knew was even there. Thank you for enlightening us today. And thank you for listening to the Dream Hub podcast. <laughs>